Welcome. At the time of this recording, the whole world is in a quarantine as a result of a flu-like symptom called COVID-19 or the coronavirus. So in this session, this uh, recording is to ask what are the strategies you could do while you may be at home or being asked to stay at home regarding child support. And as always, as we're saying during this difficult time, don't panic. Right now, as of this recording, we are in what is called a global pandemic under a new virus called COVID-19, which is a flu-like symptoms. It is affecting the global markets. Uh, some of the ways to avoid getting the virus or being transmitted is to wash your hands. Uh, in some cases, uh, you could wear a mask. But one of the key strategies they're talking about is practice social distancing. And again, don't panic. Uh, it's being handled by the government agencies. In this session, which is a very important session, even though we consider all our videos important, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that you can employ while you may be at home and also that you're on child support. Let's get started. Here we are at our non-lawyer maxim, which is we're going to cover a, a few laws within this presentation. And as we've said before, we can teach you or show you what these laws are and give us, give you our opinion. As we, the world go through this global pandemic as a result of the COVID-19 virus, markets around the world are basically plummeting. Uh, investors are panicking. They're doing sell-offs in many countries, London, Europe, America. But through all of this, they're saying, don't panic because the government will institute some sort of uh, package or rescue package or a bailout package that would help stem the loss of these global markets. Well, if you're on child support, History have shown, based on this chart, that no matter what was going on in the market and what was going on in the world, child support arrears continue to increase. As the chart says, even in the 2008-2009 fiscal crisis that we've had, arrears increase. So what, when I was putting this video together, I said, what can you do to stop or slow down the arrears? We have a section called Call to Action, where we'll discuss strategies and tips. That's what we're presenting here in the video. And what we're saying is, it is time to look at filing a motion for a modification or termination of your child support. And we'll talk more about that at the end of this video. Okay, so let's get started here. So arrears is what is known as you get a child support order, but they have what is called differences, which are called arrears. Now, we all know on the channel that arrears are made up. It's all based on numbers that are imputed. But what I want to bring attention to is that if you are a non-custodial parent, of usually a father, and you fall behind in child support payments and they start to increase the arrears, it cannot uh, be reduced. And the federal law for that is 
466 uh, section A9, where it says federal law prohibits retroactive modification of child support orders. What it is, is if you do not uh, prevent this from increasing, there is no law that permits to go back and do what's called a retrofit, even if you have a legitimate excuse of why your arrears should not be further increased or eliminated. And as we go through this global pandemic with arrears, there are steps you can take in order to stop or eliminate the arrears. But I want to point out that it's a federal law that you cannot retroactively go back and reduce the arrears. So let's look at 45 CFR 303.106, which is called Procedures for uh, Modification. And what it says here on the screen is you must apply for a modification. It must, you must have a date. You must have a notice for that position. And it must be given uh, directly to the agent, that is the child support agents or the court. And this is a function of either administrative law or uh, judicial law. And that is 303-106 says you must apply for a modification in order to be considered. As the federal law says, you cannot retroactively go back and, and take a deduction for arrears. Next is 45 CFR 205.10, which is a hearing. As you know, the child support is a single state agency responsible for most of the hearings across all 50 states. And it says here in this statute that an evidentiary hearing is as of right and it can be appealed. What is that is if you asked for a modification hearing, it must be granted to you and if you disagree with the results of that hearing, it can be appealed. Now, in order to get a hearing, you have to meet certain what is called due process requirements. Uh, I like the case law Goldberg versus Kelly, and we'll talk more about that, but further into the hearing. The hearing of which you must apply for if you want a review of your modification can be done face-to-face -face or by telephone. Again, your request for modification can be done face-to-face -face or by telephone. And the, if you request a modification, you can have it done by, uh, of course, you'll have the Sixth Amendment right to legal counsel if you choose to use an attorney. Uh, you could do a relative or a friend of the court, as well as you could represent yourself. And again, that's under the statute, right? So you have a right to a hearing if you want a modification. And what I'm suggesting in this video is that you request it by phone, by telephone, because as we go through this pandemic, uh, an in-face, face-to-face hearing may not be possible, and that could delay your motion uh, for modification. But if you request by phone, you're more likely to get an earlier court date or administrative court date. We have a video called Know Your Rights. This is where you have to understand your rights. Let's look at Goldberg versus Kelly, which I mentioned that's in the statute about the due process requirements for a hearing. As Goldberg, the decision in Goldberg said, which was done in 1969, it says, whether it's judicial or 
judicial. You have a right to motion. You have a right to file a petition. And you're allowed to bring witnesses. You're allowed to present your arguments and evidence. You're also covered under the due process clause requiring that you are guaranteed a hearing if you request it. It also goes further in the Goldberg, in this Goldberg decision that it says, whether it's administrative action or judicial action, you have a right to a hearing. And the reason for mentioning this case is that I've talked to many gentlemen uh, regarding my videos as well as their cases, and they often said to me, well, it's being rejected. You know, I take it to the front desk, and the clerk says, I have to ask the judge or the magistrate for permission. Well, let's look further into that in relation to the Goldberg case. There's a case called Greasy versus Shane Sweat in New York. That's the Appellate Division of New York First Department, uh, decided October 28th, 1986. And it says here in Part B that a party cannot be deprived of the right to be heard on a substantive matter by simply denying him or her the right to make a written motion on the record, thereby foreclosing the opportunity for appeal. Next, he said, in Supreme Court and Family Court of New York, this is a practice, and they've warned them of the danger of doing that. They also put in this decision that if for any reason you're rejected from filing a motion, that rejection must be done not orally, but on the record. In other words, they need to sign for it. They need to put it in writing that they've rejected you. That way, they cannot escape this constitutional requirement. I'm showing New York, but across all the other 50 states, they have a similar law that covers this. You have a right to file a motion or a petition. No judge, magistrate, or clerk, or desk can uh, not give you that right. Also, if they do not, you take their name down. You write it down, and you said that this particular person prevented you from filing a motion, which is a constitutional right. Now, how would you go about doing that? And why I keep saying this? Because the Title IV-D agency, as you know, it's a single and separate agency. Their goal is to prevent you. They put limits on you on how you file paperwork or why you file paperwork. Their goal is to prevent you from entering the court system, judicial system. As you know, the single state agency operates under the administrative law, not judicial law. And so their goal is to keep you from that. So they're going to put limits. They'll tell you, well, there are too many paperwork. Well, we can't do it right now. The person who is in charge of it is saying no, or let me ask the judge. They're going to put limits. The Goldberg case and the Greasy case says there are no limits. We have a video called Defend Your Rights. If you want to review that to understand how to exercise your rights, but understand that, that the Title IV agency have no intention to allow you to modify that child support payment. So how, if you were rejected, how do you get remedy? Again, the remedy for not filing that paperwork. Well, the decision is Monell versus New York State Department of Social Services. The justices says that it's through lawsuit against state officials where compliance 
with the constitutional federal law is available to you under Ex Parte Young, under the Supremacy Clause. And that is Title 42, 1983, was intended as a remedy broadly construed against all forms of official violation of federally protected right. Again, all forms. That includes the judge who says you can't file a motion, including the clerk at the front desk. Again, it's broadly construed to cover that. Next, uh, we said, now that you understand that you have a right to a motion, you can file a motion and they cannot prevent you. Most men are enrolled in a Title IV-D program. We've said this on this channel many times. I always repeat it, just as uh, for those of you who are, this is the first time you're listening to it. And that is all men are enrolled in the Title IV-D program under 45 CFR 264.30. What about moms? Well, if the fathers want to file modification, obviously a downward modification during this pandemic, a mom is going to resist and going to file an objection to that. That is okay. But understand this. The case is called Blessing versus Freestone. And that is the Title IV-D program was never intended to benefit either mom or the child. In other words, it's between the state and the federal government. So mom may have, or mother may have an objection to it. That is okay. She has a right to object. But understand that, that there is no authority that says her objection supersedes yours under blessing versus freestone because there is no benefit whether she, she gets a right to the program or not a right to the program. So now we understand that through this pandemic that what we're doing is we're going to file a downward modification uh, for the support order. And in most cases, we're going to file to eliminate the arrears or the interest. As we've said, if you delay filing a motion, it cannot be retroactive uh, uh, as of that date. It's of the filing date going forward. Second, we will look at the ways in which you can terminate your child support order or eliminate that. Now, many people say that, well, you're getting more involved in the agency. You should be separating yourself from it. I agree on all those points. But right now, during this pandemic, there are steps you need to take if you decided to do a modification. And we're going to provide some suggestions. Again, you're free not to do so, but we'll provide some suggestions. The first suggestion we have is we have a video call. The non-custodial parent can take a tax break for, uh, for their dependent. That is, the, the father, which is usually a father, is labeled as a non-custodial. There is a tax break available. Again, this, you, that may not fit your criteria, but it's worth looking at if that's an opportunity. Next are the 1099 workers. I've said this and we have many videos on this. 1099 workers are the only group of people who are not included in the child support program. Again, 
the 1099 worker, an independent worker and business person, has the authority not to be included in the child support program. In fact, the employee manual for child support from the federal agency also says that as well. I have many uh, men that I've talked to on their cases, and they said, well, you know, the state laws such as New York, Minnesota, uh, Illinois, all have state laws that says independent workers are mandatory in the program. And again, I entertain those conversations. But recognize this, that the Supremacy Clause prevents any state from superseding that provision of the child support on 1099 workers. As the Supremacy Clause says, Article 6, Paragraph 2 of the Constitution of the United States, no state can create any law that circumvents federal law. So as we're going through this, I like to quote this case, and I may hear many arguments that, well, that doesn't happen in my state. Well, here's a case, state of Minnesota. It's appeal. It's a mar- Obviously, it's a, it's a marriage appeal. And the issue was the wife in this case had a subchapter S LLC corporation, and the corporation had a distribution. Now, the amount of a distribution when you review the case uh, is a lot. It's over a million dollars, but a portion of that was distributed to the wife, and the husband wanted to challenge that before the court because in Minnesota, they have a law that says uh, independent workers, business, they can include income. Well, here's a decision from Judge Ross. Again, this is a 2012 case. He reversed the decision. The magistrate declared a distribution to the to the wife and therefore declared it income for calculation of child support. Judge Ross came back and says, you cannot. And I have the decision here on the screen. It says it is reversed. You cannot take a distribution from an LLC and reclassify it and relabel it as if it's income. You don't have the authority. States do not have the authority or the delegation to override the folks that are independent contractors, business people, LLC, they do not. And this is one case. I have many cases, but uh, you could use this case in your paperwork. Here we are at our call to action. Whereas as we were saying through the video, that modification during this pandemic is an opportunity to file using the case laws. And it's 45 CFR 303.106. So the three ways that we discussed was you could use the 8332 IRS form, you could use the 1099 provision, or just a regular downward modification using Turner versus Rogers. If you'd like uh, this screenshot here where you could put a date and time and put it on the wall or in your office, your home office, to remind you that if you are on child support, while we're going through this economic as well as pandemic, that filing a modification is one of the ways that you could take advantage of the time while you're at home. So thank you for listening to this presentation. As always, if you disagree with anything in the video, please reach out to us at our email. We also ask that please like and subscribe and also hit the notification bell on, our, on this YouTube channel.
In addition, we ask for a small donation just to help us to do our research because it takes time to do the research to find the proper case laws that you use in your case and how to go about the strategies that we predict. And as always, the purpose of this channel is to assist you in separating from the child support program. We're at the end of the presentation, and there's some other videos on here that we would like to uh, for you to preview. And our message to you is be safe during this difficult time and do not panic. And thank you.